Welcome to the podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Area Church at First Parish in Sherborne. No matter who you are, who you love, we welcome you into our community of religious seekers. Please join us for our Sunday worship services at 10.30 a.m. More information can be found on our website at uuac.org or visit our Facebook page at Sherborne Unitarian Universalist. Well, here we are, nearly halfway through January. That feels bizarre. That feels a bit bizarre to me. But I also want to say um, how lovely it is to have the sounds of a little one echoing through our sanctuary. It's a wonderful reminder of our commitment to community and that you're welcome here. It's uh, It's been warming my heart excuse me, warming my heart hearing the little punctuations here and there. So today is the first of three sermons on the topic of the eighth principle, as Reverend Heather already mentioned. These sermons are not in succession, but will be spread out over the next two months, culminating with a vote on March 6th. It's important to note that as of January 11th, 145 UU congregations have adopted the eighth principle. I say this just to give you some context of how this movement is making its way throughout UU congregations, as it is at this point done through the individual congregations. So as mentioned in the announcements, there'll be a chat session set up after each of these services with folks from the eighth principle task force that are happy to engage in conversation. So what then is the eighth principle. Next slide, please, Dara. I, I was inspired by Reverend Heather's sermon last week. I, and even though I didn't really need to say next slide, I, I, I really had to. <laughs> so, um, the eighth principle states, we, the member congregations of the Unitarian Universalist Association, covenant to affirm and promote, journeying toward spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. That's a lot. There's a lot there. That's a good thing because our time calls for it. So the part of the principle that I'm focusing on this morning is this journeying towards spiritual wholeness in ourselves. And Rita, your testimonial was so lovely to this point. It was really great to hear your experience and wisdom. So I love that this principle explicitly names spiritual wholeness. I mean, first of all, I love that it's named at all, right, spiritual wholeness. But I love also that it's a journey toward it. But most importantly, I love that it's named as integral to the work of dismantling systems of oppression. Because while it's implied in the other seven, to be sure it isn't explicitly named. So I I had the fortune, along with Dara, our, our Director of Membership and Communications, to be in a recent class where one of the co authors of the principal, Paula Cole Jones, spoke. And I heard her speak about this explicitness in regard to the question of why the need for an eighth principle 
when the other seven also call for this work in their own way. And it was this point, this, this need, this desperate need in this time of being explicit that came through as, as one of the reasons as to why. And yet, for me, spiritual wholeness is a broad term. And what comes with broad terms is a wide avenue of, of interpretation. Now, this is a good thing and, and true to, our, to you, you, and how we understand that the divine is nearly as varied. We understand that the divine is nearly as varied as there are people who attend this church, right? How we understand that is very wide. That's a wide interpretation, and that's true to who we are. But the term spiritual wholeness also rings comfortingly innocuous to me, which may enable some to think that we're already there. Oh, spiritual wholeness, check. But if that were the case, I think we'd be living in a very different world, right? So, the, so, so as an example, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. We believe this, right? We would all say that we, we believe that, that in the end, moral justice will win out. But this phrase, like the term spiritual wholeness, could maybe lull one into thinking that the situation need not be urgent. Because I often think that we don't really realize how slight that bend is. And I think there's a corollary between getting deeply involved with justice work and an intimate mathematical understanding of the degrees of that bend. Because what comes with the relationship to the degrees in the bend is a mountain of reality. Spiritual wholeness then, as I understand the call that it is, is how one both grieves this mountain and continues to climb it. There are limits to thinking one's way through everything. And I think that for this, for this kind of work, to climb this particular mountain, we're gonna need different tools. So this is one of the reasons why this principle is so important because it names these different tools as being essential. And yet this goes against what we know about the tools one needs for success in this culture. And what I mean by we is white, and what I mean by culture is white of Western European descent. Because as I said before, this proposed eighth principle, it's a lot. There's a lot to unpack, which is another reason why we decided to discuss it as a sermon series. Each sermon attempting to undertake just a part of the principle, take it in sections, so as to better understand the whole. And I don't mean this as a criticism, because I speak of myself when I say that, that this is what white people do when trying to wrap their heads around something, break it down, take it apart, piecemeal it for maximum cognitive absorption. And absolutely, that's true. My, my go-to remedy when I'm encountering something I want to know more about or a cause I want to get involved in is to read about it. And then, after I've learned more about it, I, I somehow now feel more equipped to venture into how I feel about it. But the order of operation here is key. Learn, then feel. And this feels especially true, right, when encountering something new, like 
I feel like my mind is working so hard and fast, trying to adhere to sense and coherency, that I have little to no time to be curious about how this something new has me feeling. But simultaneously, my body is moving at a much slower pace. It doesn't even seem to trouble itself with sense or coherency. And so I, I think there exists this disconnect, which the Eighth Principle names as spiritual. That what ails us, that what ails this society is spiritual disconnection. It's a spiritual sickness that we find ourselves in. And, so, and in so naming, the Eighth Principle is calling us to engage and enwrap ourselves up in heart, soul, and body. Heart, soul, and body absorption. It's asking us to reverse the order of operations, to feel first and then consequently learn more. Learn more about, as Leonard Cohen names it, what's really going on below. So as an example of this, in the video today, it ends with the narrator asking, what does the eighth principle mean to you? And this is such an important question because like all the other principles, it must be personal if it's gonna guide your life, right? And yet I think there's a question that we need to ask first, which will help us get to what it means to us. And that is, how do you feel when you take in the eighth principle? Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel uncomfortable? Defensive? Do you feel curious? Relief? Do you feel like rejoicing? Or does it feel a bit overwhelming? It's my experience that the paths to spiritual wholeness, they're paved with questions, always questions, and then more questions. And so I ask all of these questions in the spirit of seeking this spiritual wholeness with the heart as its starting place. Again, I, I, I just don't believe that we're gonna think our way into justice, because if that were so, it, it would have happened a long time ago. It's there's certainly no shortage of people thinking about this problem. But we're going to need different tools. And I, I think, I'm, I mean, my hunch is that these tools are found in the body. So as an entry point into this body, I offer another phrase. Getting ahead of oneself. This is such an interesting phrase, getting ahead of oneself. And, and what if it were a play on words? What if it was that one actually got ahead, their own head, plopped in front of them? It may sound absurd, but think only of the moments of frenzy in your day-to-day -day life, and maybe I'm not so crazy. Because when thought about it this way, when seen through this image, this phrase becomes quite pertinent to the work of the Eighth Principle because it's a clue. It's a clue that we know somewhere deep within that the disconnect between mind and body exists, that this is true. But the remedy, the reconciliation, the remembering 
That's the bit that feels elusive. And it reminds me of when I first started seeing my current therapist. I was trying to explain this kind of disconnect that for me at at that time was feeling like I was so close to how I wanted to be in myself and in the world, but that there was some kind of veil that kept me from it. In an attempt to drive the image home, I asked my therapist if they had seen Spinal Tap, which they hadn't. But I persevered. Because the veil I'm talking about is best represented by this scene in Spinal Tap. In it, for those that haven't seen it, the band, it's about a band and their lives. So the band is on stage and they emerge from these translucent cocoons, all but the bass player. The bass player is stuck in his cocoon with just one arm protruding out for the entirety of the concert. And this is what I think it feels like, this disconnect between mind and body, that we're stuck in these translucent cocoons and in the disorientation of trying to live through this opaque veil, we are left either believing the problem exists outside ourselves or that the problem doesn't really exist at all. Because we can sort of see it, right? We sort of see our whole selves. We get glimpses. And so this is the eighth principle, the work that the eighth principle is offering us as a pathway a remedy for feeling our way back from the island that is the mind down into the land that is the body. Making that opaque veil just start to thin and thin and thin more and more. And so the natural result of when we move towards heart, soul, and body is not only that we drift further from the confines of the mind, but we also gain clarity heartbreakingly joyful clarity. And this is good news because heart, soul, and body, these are the tools needed for the work of spiritual reconnection. These are the tools that ail this sickness. So this is what I want you to hear. Our efforts to better the world will be short-lived if we do not begin within ourselves if we do not construct a sturdy path to the well that is our deepest self, we will thirst our whole lives long. So think on what this spiritual wholeness means to you. Think about how it makes you feel. Don't turn from whatever presents itself. We as you use have the joyful challenge of covenanting to inhabit a large theological tent. And I say joyful challenge because I understand a key question of spiritual wholeness to be asking is that each and every one of us reconcile what that means for us. One of the good news things about you, you, is that it's an experiment. How does that actually work? That you can have someone who's atheist, agnostic, someone who identifies as a Christian, someone who comes from Reformed Judaism, all these things, paganism, in this room. What does that actually mean 
to reconcile that for oneself. This is how I understand myself within the cosmos. This is my relationship to something I identify as divine. And then this is how it moves me to be in this world. That is some joyful challenge. Because through this reconciliation, through asking these questions, my sense is that it will become clear where we are called to do our part to influence that bend in the arc. That's how one makes change. So this was but the first of three sermons about this principle. You still have to hear from Reverend Nathan and from Reverend Heather. Plus, the task force members are always available to you. Every morning, as a practice, I say a prayer to be curious and open to that which is unknown to me on that day. And I invite you to do the same, to join me in this, through this process, to stay curious, to stay open, because you are not alone. And in relationship, we are realized. Amen. May it be so.